Hello, I'm Scott Skelton, and this is the Tell Me What You Know podcast. I have partnered with the Lufkin Daily News to bring you these podcasts with interesting people doing interesting things. Today, we're going to have Representative Trent Ashby back in the studio to talk about the legislative session uh, that just finished at the 1st of June. So welcome, Trent Ashby, to our podcast. All right, Trent, welcome. Thank you, Scott. It's great to be back on the air with you. All right, man. So how was session? Ah, such a short, easy question, and I'll probably give you a longer answer than you want, but uh, session, uh, well, let me say this. I think this session was my most enjoyable session thus far. Uh, you know, it's like anything, the, uh, the longer you do something, the more comfortable uh, that you get in knowing, uh, in the case of the legislature, the, the people, the personality, the process, uh, the, the topics, and so uh, this session... Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, personally, uh, it was a very productive session uh, for East Texas and for House District 57 that I'm blessed to represent. Uh, but I will tell you, as great as it was this session, and, and there's a lot to talk about, uh, <clears throat> most importantly, I'm glad that we're out of there yeah. without any special sessions and that, uh, that I'm home. And uh, it, is, it is, a you know, as much as I look forward to going to session every January odd number year, it's, uh, I'm always reminded come about April how excited I am to see the end and sign die so I can come home and be back with my family and friends and, and get back to my, uh, my regular job. Yeah, the one that actually pays. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, well, you know, I would have told you that y'all were going to have a special session because as I followed along, I was convinced the education bill wasn't going to get done. And um, we can talk about that uh, toward... Uh, the latter section of the podcast, but um, it looked touch and go until the end, but you guys got it done, historic piece of legislation. So congratulations. Thank you for the school districts because it's going to be a blessing, and I think it's going to be a blessing to the taxpayers as well. But let's start off with uh, you went into session, and every year, you know, um, you – you get committee assignments, and you got a new speaker and new relationships. So, so tell tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah. So this session uh, was the first session that uh, I cast my vote for a new speaker. Uh, our, our former speaker retired. Uh, was announced uh, well uh, in advance of this this session that we just uh, came out of. And so my first vote was for uh, uh, Dennis Bonin uh, to be our next speaker. And of course, anytime you have a new leader uh, of any organization. Uh, you're going to see things uh, change, and, and uh, there will be different, you know, management style. And certainly that was the case uh, with Speaker Bonin at the helm this session. And one of the things you always see with a new speaker, or historically you see, uh, rather, is uh, kind of a turnover in committees. Uh, the, a lot of times a new speaker will come in, and he may add some new committees uh, to the House. Uh, he may take away uh, those that he feel like are redundant or just have run their course. Uh, and then a lot of times uh, you only get one chance as a new speaker to kind of move the game pieces around. And so this session, uh, there was a lot of turnover uh, in terms of uh, returning members being assigned to new committees. And that was the case with me. Uh, I was uh, blessed to serve on uh, two committees that are very important to East Texas. Uh, public education, uh, which is one that uh, I've been deeply involved with since I've been in the legislature, uh, but have never actually sat on. And then the Defense and Veterans Affairs Committee, 
which of course is so important to uh, not just our state but our country uh, because Texas plays a critical role in terms of our national defense and of course uh, per capita I think we have more veterans than any other state in the country. So uh, two very uh, uh, important committees uh, for our state and our region and so uh, it, it, it was it was it was nice, uh, honestly, to, to kind of take a bite at a little bit different apple in terms of new topics, uh, and really dig my teeth in and, and become immersed in, in those particular areas. Yeah. So the session starts uh, in January, right? What day? Uh, so as set by our const- state constitution, uh, we take the oath of office at noon, the second Tuesday of every odd number year. All right. So. Start that, that Tuesday in January, and about when do committee assignments come out? Usually it takes about 30 days. All right. So you're into February, you get your committee assignments, and what do you immediately notice is going to be, you know, on the radar, so to speak? Well, this session, as we talked about in our first podcast, there, there were some issues that we knew were going to be uh, at the top of the list in terms of priorities for the state. Uh, those were further... Um, uh, I guess in terms of importance driven home when the governor, Governor Abbott, gave the state of the state a speech uh, there at the end of January uh, in reinforcing just how important those were to him and to the state of Texas. And so uh, it was it was really fortuitous that the legislature and the governor this session were all on the same page in terms of what those priorities should be. Uh, and in no particular order, of course, uh, you mentioned education, um, you know, tax reform uh, right up there. Uh, mental health challenges, the, uh, the opioid crisis that we face, uh, not just in Texas, but across the country. Uh, of course, thinking about the Santa Fe, uh, just tragedy uh, in that school shooting uh, brought to light some uh, issues that we needed to talk about in terms of uh, school safety as well as mental health. Um, and, uh, and then Hurricane Harvey. Uh, right. This was the first session after Hurricane Harvey And so we had a lot to do in terms of both recovery, paying some bills, uh, where we had some federal dollars that we were able to draw down, but we had a state matching component that we had to appropriate dollars for. But maybe more importantly was looking to the future uh, in terms of how we can go about having a better uh, response uh, and having uh, make sure we're prepared as a state. And so we spent a lot of time uh, on those issues. I would say collectively those uh, five or six issues probably – uh, accounted for you know, well over three-fourths of the time in terms of discussion and committees and debate that we had uh, during the session. So everybody stayed focused on what you thought they would. Absolutely. It didn't appear to me that there was a lot of scope creep this session. Um, it appeared that uh, some of the cultural issues that have been divisive in the past kind of stayed away. Was that your perception as well? Generally, yes. Uh, one of the things that uh, coming into the session that uh, the new speaker uh, again, uh, as a House member, I listen very intently <laughs> to when the Speaker talks about his tone and his, his priorities. Uh, he, he made it very clear from day one uh, when he was running for the office as well as after he took the gavel that he wanted to uh, restore what I want to, uh, I guess, uh, uh, term as more civility uh, into the Texas House um, because we're not Washington, D.C. And right. we don't want to be wash- become Washington, D.C., and so he wanted to uh, take a little more bipartisan approach uh, in terms of trying to move the needle forward for Texas. And of course, you can't, you know, you can't accomplish that objective if you're spending a lot of your time on divisive issues. And so 
the speaker deserves a lot of credit uh, this session for uh, what a lot of folks have called a very harmonious section, uh, session uh, in that uh, we didn't really get off into some wedge issues that sometimes uh, raise the temperature uh, there in the Texas House. Right, right. And in, in publications like the Texas Tribune commented on that, you know, lack of fireworks, et cetera, which I think for some of us that watch from the outside was refreshing. You know, you didn't wake up to some explosion every every morning about something that happened the day before. So um, more harmonious uh, session, and um, you're going along, and, and let's, let's just talk about uh, what you thought were important for you, being from District 57. Um, you know, I know that you, you uh, submit bills, and you know, what was important on your, on your personal radar? So coming into every session, <clears throat> the, um, a lot of times uh, when, when I start looking at filing or introducing legislation, many times it's reflective of the work that was done in the, during the interim uh, in terms of, uh, and specifically, you know, either office visits that I had, phone calls, emails, you know, someone reached out and touched me in my district and brought to light an issue in some cases an injustice, uh, where they felt like the state could improve uh, in terms of a law change or a new law uh, or striking a law from the books. And so uh, I'm proud to report, and I've done this every session, you know, most of the bills that I file, uh, you know, they come from my constituents in terms of the issues that they have brought to the forefront. And so this session, uh, you know, I... I can't remember the exact number of bills. It was approximately 20 or so that I filed um, on behalf of, uh, you know, my constituents. And uh, they dealt from uh, public education. I had a number of bills uh, that dealt with uh, reforms that I would like to see in terms of, uh, you know, classroom teaching, uh, how our teachers were treated uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, their disciplinary action as far as sometimes being held against them, uh, all the way over to, uh, you know, forestry, uh, Texas Forestry Association, which, of course, is based here <coughs> in our district in, in Angelina County uh, and represents a large number of, of constituents that I have. Their number one uh, topic or issue this past session was an issue dealing with uh, um, a, some unfair taxing that was starting to happen in some of the counties and across East Texas. And so I carried that bill to try to make sure that our private landowners uh, were being treated fairly by the appraisal districts. And um, unfortunately, uh, in the case of that bill, as, as the case with most of my bills this session, we were able to get most of them signed by the governor through the entire process. So from that standpoint as well, Scott, it was a, a very productive session. Awesome. So, um, Let's kind of move toward uh, the middle of the session, and you know, y'all, are, you're on the the pub ed committee, and how to tell us tell us how House Bill three, the major overhaul of, of Texas public education, tell us kind of how that sausage was ground up and what that committee was like, kind of on a daily basis, and then we'll kind of work toward conference. Sure. Before I dive into that, Scott, I, let me just uh, a little. Trivia here or insight, a lot of times you can uh, determine the importance of a bill to the leadership, both in the House and the Senate, based on the bill number. 
any any House bill or Senate bill that has a bill number that's I'm just going to use the number 20. So if it's House Bill 1 through 20 or Senate Bill 1 through 20, uh, it's a priority bill for the leadership in that respective chamber. And so you mentioned House Bill 3 um, probably was the biggest priority for our Speaker, uh, uh, Speaker Bonin. Um, House Bill 3 uh, was such a transformative piece of legislation uh, that it took the entire session from the first meeting of public education committee until the last bill that was passed uh, to get House Bill 3 through the process without a special session that you alluded to earlier that in the last two weeks there was a lot of people thinking okay we may go into special because HB 3 we had not wrapped up. But House Bill 3 um, for your listeners uh, essentially that was the bill that is a complete reform of our school finance system uh, as well as the bill that provides the uh, $5 billion in tax relief uh, on people's property taxes. And so, you know, going into session, <clears throat> I heard time and time again from the people that I represent that we want tax relief and we also want our schools to be treated fairly in East Texas in terms of, you know, being equitable and in terms of what the state is spending. Uh, because I, as, as you know and I know, you know, I will contend until my last breath that the kids uh, in East Texas are worth every much, uh, every are worth every bit as much as the kids in Dallas and Houston and other parts of the state where maybe it's a little wealthier. And so um, that was a big priority in terms of House Bill Three was to make sure that we were coming up with a system that was uh, modernizing it in the sense you were, we were taking away a lot of what we call weights and measures right. from the old system to make it more simplistic because. You know, one of the, the, the uh, biggest frustrations that anyone that knows much about school finance knows is nobody can explain to anybody our current, you know, now our, our former school finance system. Because over a period of 30 years, it had been changed so many times and so many weights and measures had been added that it was almost impossible to explain it. And so we wanted to simplify it, and House Bill 3... Uh, goes a long ways into simplifying it where now we can explain it. Uh, and at the same time, uh, we, we give our teachers a long overdue pay raise. Uh, we uh, target money to the classroom. Uh, we do some things that uh, I feel are important for rural parts of the state, uh, such as additional monies that we're now spending in the formula for career and college military readiness. Right. Uh, we've never been able to spend career and technology education or CTE dollars uh, below the high school grades. Now we can start doing that. Our school districts can start doing that uh, in the seventh grade. Right. Uh, and so I could go on and on uh, because it is such a comprehensive bill, but suffice it to say, uh, as has been said so many times, but it, you, you just can't say it enough, this is maybe the most transformative piece of legislation that most members uh, that serve during this session will ever touch in their careers in the Texas legislature. Uh, and then, of course, the last component uh, is the tax relief side of it. And as you know, and as most people know, uh, people that want tax relief, really the, the only way we can provide meaningful tax relief when you look at your tax bill is that over half of it every on everybody's bill is going to go to local school property taxes. And so... If you're going to lower taxes, you're going to have to address the, the school funding issue. And so it was just, you know, uh, logical 
But at the same time that we were coming up with a new formula, that we were, if we were ever going to do it, that we needed to provide some property tax relief. And fortunately, uh, we had uh, an estimated budget surplus this session, and we took almost all of that, and we provided it to our schools in the measures that I just talked about. And then the additional dollars, those $5 billion, uh, is, is, that's going to be applied to tax relief. And so uh, at the end of the process, Scott, uh, just to put a bow on it, um, it it's, a, it's a bill that I think is a huge win, huge win for East Texas. Well, I'm going to agree with you on that. You know, as you know, I sit on the Lufkin ISD school board. We're looking at the numbers. It's going to mean uh, over $9 million new funding to Lufkin ISD, which, as you said, is targeted toward the teachers. We're certainly going to do that, because not, not only because we're mandated to do that, because it's the right thing to do. And then, as you just spoke about, I think our numbers show that it's 13 or 14 cents uh, tax relief, uh, to the taxpayers and the state's picking that up. I mean, it's not it's not going away. We're getting more money, even though the the taxes at the local level are less. So the state's coming up with more. Can I chime in on something? Uh, sure. You raise a good point. One of the things that uh, is uh, has been very troubling to a lot of folks is over the last twelve years, the state's share mm-hmm. of education funding has gone down precipitously. Uh, and when the state share, you know, when you look at how we fund our schools, you have the local share and you have the state share. Right. And what has happened is we've gone over the last 12 years down from 50% to 37% or between 37 and 38. And so by adding those additional dollars to HB3 in terms of it now basically allocating more state sales tax dollars, right? Um, we can provide that money and bring that percentage up from 37 to 45 or 46 percent. We didn't have enough to get us to 50 percent, which a lot of folks would like to see, but kind of a 50-50 share between local and state. Uh, but we did the best we could with within the budget we had to work within. Well, and and, and I'm going to commend you, and I'm, I'm not just because you're our rep, not just because you and I have known each other for a while, but really was transformative. I've been to Texas Association of School Boards. Everybody agrees it's transformative. Um, you know, no, nothing that you do in a body of 150 people can, can everybody get their way. But it seems like everybody was more focused than ever on getting a good bill passed, a clean bill passed, because there wasn't a lot of tack-ons, which right. is good. And, and, so, that, and that passed unanimously. Yes. The House and the Senate, which is, again, it's, it's a rare feat. Yeah, well... Good job. We appreciate it. But let's talk about some of the mechanics because it didn't just happen because uh, we all wished it would happen. There was some hard work to be done. You know, the Senate passed uh, a different version of the bill than the House. And so uh, those of us who who had government in high school, maybe a little in college, know it goes to a conference committee. And, and it was a big deal because you got picked to s- serve on the conference committee. So tell the listeners about who picks the conference committee, why you think you got picked, and then what work was done and how that went on? Well, it was, it was uh, one of my high honors to be selected as one of the five uh, House members to serve on that 10-member conference committee that uh, negotiated those differences, as you alluded to, between the Senate version of House Bill 3, <laughs> which looked a lot different than the version that passed out of the House as HB 3. And so there was a lot of ground to cover in terms of negotiating the differences between those respective bills. Um, to have a seat at that table uh, was, 
it is kind of hard to put into words because I don't think the gravity really hit me until after session and, and, and you know, it became law. But, uh, but to just to have a role in negotiating, you know, that bill, knowing that we may go another 30 years before the legislature is able to accomplish what we were able to do in terms of re rewriting our school finance formula. Um, it was, uh, it, you know, it was, it was very meaningful. And so, um, you know, I'll make a long story short. Uh, there was a lot of meetings. That when I, and when people think conference committee, you know, I don't know what normally would come to someone's mind or the image that would be conjured up, but I, and I mean this, and I've been on several conference committees, but I've never seen one that was more active. I mean, it was truly 10 members, not just the chair of the Senate and the chair of the House kind of behind the scenes negotiating. We were all in the room for every discussion, and to go through uh, such a, a lengthy bill line by line um, was, was quite a toiling task. And so, uh, but we were, we, you know, we got there. Uh, I can tell you that both sides, uh, the House and the Senate, we wanted to land the plane. <laughs> we wanted a touchdown for Texas. And so uh, a lot of the personalities got checked at the door for every meeting. We all had to compromise. You know, you never get everything you want in this process. Uh, but at the end of the process, uh, you know, I just couldn't be more pleased with the product. And so um, it was, and a lot of kudos, you know, uh, you know, should go to uh, Senator Larry Taylor, the chairman of the Senate Pub Ed Committee, and Chairman Dan Huberty, because they were the two quarterbacks that helped lead this effort. And and I will tell you, uh, leading up to the the public announcement there on the on the governor's lawn there in front of the mansion uh, where he invited all 10 of us uh, to come with the lieutenant governor and the speaker to say that we had cut a deal. Uh, I can tell you, you know, things were still a little dicey uh, leading up to walking in in terms of having it all firmed up. But before we walked out there, we all, you know, looked at each other and I said, everything's put to bed. This is a done deal. And uh, this is, you know, the, our great state and our children and our taxpayers are going to benefit because of it. Right. Well, I agree with you. So so it was uh, the speaker who put you on the committee, correct? Right. I'm sorry. I didn't. Yes. Yeah, so, so the speaker uh, and the speaker only decides uh, who's on the conference committee. So, yeah. So you've, you've got a pretty pretty important task when you get assigned by the speaker to do something as big as this. So it, that's a big deal. It, well, and I want to chime in and mention this, you know, when... On an issue as important as this one, I got to give credit to the speaker because he's got 150 people to choose, or 149 others to choose from, um, and he did a masterful job, in my opinion, of picking members that were knowledgeable of the issue, that represented both parties, that represented geographical parts, different parts of the state, uh, and that uh, that had. You know, and, then, and I guess I said this earlier, but had some expertise. And so uh, he did a really good job. And what was interesting is we got into the weeds on the, you know, debating the bill and negotiating it. There were some areas that the, you know, the chairman, you know, Huberty handed to me because he, he knew that these were maybe more important, let's say, to rural Texas. And so to ensure that rural Texas actually had two seats at the table because Ken King is from the Panhandle little town called Canadian. Both of us being two of five house members from rural Texas being on there uh, really 
helped in the end bring forward a product that, uh, again, by all accounts, I think has been widely accepted and, and uh, uh, heralded across uh, rural Texas. Well, and I, and, and I agree with you that rural needed a voice. I mean, it, from a school board's perspective, like Lufkin's, and, and I think I can speak for all of the school boards in, in the county as, as well as just kind of the region, uh, rural's been at a little bit of a disadvantage under the old system. I mean, we we haven't uh, been funded quite as nicely as as they have, and so it's nice to to see the equity. I think that the, the one of the best things about the bill is you can really see the equity, like you stated earlier. Our kids are worth just as much as kids from whether it be River Oaks or Highland Park or some other more wealthy place. You know, we're educating. Uh, the little citizens of the future, and, and they have the same value. So I think that may be one of the greatest things this bill did is is kind of make the state equitable as a whole. I don't think we're going to see equity center lawsuits in the future over this legislation. I so, agree. I agree. So did did the conference committee, What about when were you appointed to the conference committee? Oh, Scott, uh, I'm going to say approximately around the uh, 1st of May. Right, so you've got uh, May, about a month left in the session. Yeah, we at that point, I, th- I believe the uh, our adjournment date was May 24th, and so we had a little, right around three weeks, or maybe a little over, to uh, take what was probably the largest bill of the whole session in, in terms of just the volume. <laughs> right. You know, over a thousand pages, and uh, negotiate uh, the differences between the the, the chambers. Yeah, the final product's like 306 or 7 pages, so it's it's not even small in its final product. Right. So it's a lot of work. So for, on those last three weeks, would you say that's all you did? I would say largely that's that's what I did. I mean, you know, of course, the, the majority of the votes that occur, occur in the last four weeks of session, six, you know, four to six weeks of session, uh, but really in the last four. And so, um, you know, I was on the floor uh, for almost every vote. There were a few that I had to miss because of conference committee. But it, it, let me just tell you, there were some very late night and early mornings because we would intentionally, both in the Senate and the House, we'd be on the floor voting during the day and into the night, and then we'd be adjourned, and then we'd have to go start our conference committee and meetings. And so the month of May was a little bit of a blur for me because there just wasn't a lot of, a lot of uh, sleep uh, to be found. But that's typically the case uh, during the last month of a session anyway. We tend to burn the midnight oil, and in this case, there were several different pro- uh, work items that, uh, that I was touching this session. Well, I know from the school district's point of view, we're still digesting the bill, figuring out everything, putting it into our budgets, and, and, and getting ready to start a new school year. And one of the things that impresses me is that it starts immediately. I mean, this is, this is uh, going to be the 1920-year uh, uh, budget that we get helped out, um, and so we're glad to have it. Um, uh, for those that don't know, uh, the Texas Education Association's even doing podcast, weekly podcast. I think through November to help us understand the bill completely and how they'll do some of the interpretations. So you know, House Bill Three, big big stuff. What other big stuff happened that you want to tell us about? So the 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 big three this session, the big three bills were House Bill One. Uh, which is the budget, right. uh, which I'll touch on in just a sec. And then this, the other ginormous bill, <laughs> ginormous being a word I use with my sons, uh, was SB2. 
So you got HB1, SB2, and then HB3 that we just talked about. Um, let me talk about the budget, and then I'll talk about SB2. Uh, the budget this session, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we come into session when the first thing that happens is the comptroller gives us a revenue forecast. And so we take that forecast, and we know if we're going to have more money than last session uh, or less money. Uh, this session we had quite a bit more money, which allowed us the flexibility to do the Hurricane Harvey and HB3 investments and provide the property tax relief. Uh, but it also allowed us to produce what I consider a very responsible uh, budget that reflects the priorities, I think, of East Texas. Uh, we took care of those key core issues that matter to people. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, again, we have a state uh, limit in our Constitution that requires us, that tells us how much we can spend and that we have to have a balanced budget. And so, you know, I'm proud to report that we have a balanced budget that comes in under all four of our constitutional spending limits, which essentially is population plus inflation growth. And so it's a very conservative, responsible budget, uh, which people expect from our legislators in Austin. Uh, but let, and let me touch on SB2 briefly. SB2... Uh, garnered not as much attention as HB3, but almost. I mean, it was definitely a big bill uh, for this session. That's the bill that deals with property tax reform. And I want to stress the word is reform. HB3 has the relief. So looking at future reforms in our property taxes, what the bill simply does, and it does a lot of things, but what it really does is it caps the growth rate in local property taxes that would be put in place by local governments. Uh, school districts are outside of this bill because they're in HB3, but primarily it speaks to our cities and counties. And so going forward, they're going to have a 3.5% cap on how much they can grow in terms of their uh, revenue. Uh, it's called a revenue cap. And so uh, a lot of folks were demanding this because of the escalating, uh, you know, prices in homes and property, uh, kind of runaway, if you will, skyrocketing uh, cost. And so this was one way. Here's two ways. There's a the property tax rate and there's the appraisal issue. Uh, and so we took a stab at the tax rate side of it this session. And um, by and large, of course, property owners are going to be very relieved and happy uh, to learn about this <clears throat> bill. I think you'll learn a lot more about it. I, I say you, I mean collectively, we will learn a lot more about it uh, as it really takes effect uh, over the next year or so. But uh, it's a way to, to try to limit the growth uh, of government, but at the same time, primarily protect people's right to own their property in terms of not you know, pricing them out of their house. And so uh, there's some other reforms that it does, but that's really the meat of it is the lowering of the cap uh, which I should mention that under current law, it's 8%. And so going forward, we're dropping that to 3.5%. And so that that was uh, another huge issue, Scott, that I think it's important for your listeners to know about. Uh, so HB1, SB2, and HB3, those three bills, as we talked about earlier, collectively, that took up most of the time of the legislature this session. And as I understand... Uh Senate Bill 3, if the voters decided through a tax ratification election that they wanted to go over the, the cap, that's still allowed. That's right. Yeah, so good point. So 
if local voters decide they want to go above the 3.5%, absolutely. They're, they can call for an election, and that can happen, no doubt. So, and, and, they're, and, the re, and I think it's important because there, are going to be, there could be times, you know, God forbid, that there is some type of disaster uh, where the local government may need to go up more than 3.5% in a year to pay for the expenses as a result of the disaster. And so the, that flexibility is built into the bill. Right. Well, it's just democracy. There you All go. Right. All right. Well, uh, big session, uh, but not a, a ton of, of drama, just some really hard work on some really big issues. Anything you want to close with? Well, I, you know, I just, again, want to reiterate, it's, it's great to be back home. Uh, you know, what I'll be doing uh, over the next really three to four months is going around doing what I'm doing with you right here on this podcast, and that's, you know, talking to different groups and organizations and, and people about, you know, what we did this past session, answering questions, uh, listening to what people have to say as far as their feedback, and, you know, what we got right, what we need to go back and, and change. Uh, and so we'll be doing a lot of what I call legislative wrap-up tour over the next three to four months. Uh, and then once we get into the, the fall, uh, you know, we'll transition and, and start thinking about, you know, what lies ahead uh, in terms of next session and, and work on those type issues. And so uh, it's a, you know, I just want to remind your listeners that uh, it's a privilege and an honor to serve as their state representative. And, and as I tell people almost everywhere I go talk, you know, my job is to, is to be a servant. And uh, anytime our office can be of service uh, to them uh, or you, and I think you know this, uh, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out and let us know how we can be of assistance. But again, Scott, thank you for having me on the podcast uh, with you this week. It's great to see you again, and I uh, hope you have a great summer. All right. I appreciate it, Trent, and I hope you do too. Take care.